1: you can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's
2: online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
3: Yes, who? I Of course, I would fuck Elon Musk for the right amount of money. Which is which what? Is
4: Six million dollars or more.
3: Uh, Miles, wh- what number did you just throw out?
4: I'm not gonna lie about what I said. I'll say it again. Uh, I'll okay. fuck him for four hundred bucks.
2: <laughs> wow.
4: No, definitely not. <laughs> you know why? Because I'll turn it into a story. I'll 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 make money <laughs> like on the back of that.
2: You I'm know? just letting
3: you. Launching just... on the iHeart Radio network in April 2023. I fucked Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> no money no, no in no amount of money in the world story space where X. I stand. X, X, X.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: oh mm. miles gray and elon musk a match made in hell
4: you really cornered me mm-hmm. see you had me on the show just to get me to say some shit like that that's wild
3: anyway and i do it for it was not maybe, difficult that's all i'm I, gonna say i think i would throw out 10 million first but i would go as low as six
4: that's good i think don't tell don't tell him that no i don't mean i don't mean to like you know yeah cheapen it i would realistically i think for it to really work for me i'll probably do it for like 650 Mm -hmm. wow (laughs)
3: jesus (laughs) (laughs) so like two car payments
4: (laughs) yeah or at least like a ps5
3: and some controllers no that is good yeah a ps5 would be nice ps5 and controllers yeah. Great. What if he just cut what if he just shows up at your house with a PS5 and a controller? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well then you know what? I'm telling Alexa to put on some smooth jazz.
3: hmm There we go. Smooth jazz. Oh, that's your move God. with with Elon Musk.
4: Oh yeah. It's me
3: and uh, you know, uh David Sanborn. Mm. You see, I you think know? I would try, because I'm younger than him, so there's probably he can't tell the difference between me and a teenager. Um, I would put on like like Austrian yodeling albums and try to convince him it's what like the kids were into these days. It's like everybody on Reddit loves these yodeling albums, Elon. <laughs> and then try to see if I can get him to tweet about like his favorite yodelers.
4: Right. I right. bet we could do it. <laughs> like Jesus. just running. So you want to run an op on him. Okay i want to like, get paid first like yeah, payment yeah, yeah.
3: payment is first and then fucking with them a little bit sure, well you gotta
4: you we have to run an op on someone to show like the, the the veracity of our claims like there's strength to the business model you know what yeah I mean? where you can absolutely. be like this is actually how our marketing works like we run ops on celebrities and they yeah. unwittingly support your products
3: mm-hmm. yeah so big yodeling get at me right if you want to get it on the ground floor if you're representing a yodeler uh and you want elon musk to tweet about them i probably can't make that happen but there is what if the, i did is that, that would be one, funny like really famous like child who yodeled in walmart like i feel like elon musk would be like down
4: oh yeah that kid's yep. all that kid's like 43 now and he's all like his yodeling's all fucked up because his voice changed <laughs> no me. yeah because
1: his oh yeah because he, was, like, he yeah. went
3: like he went like hard right too i think he's 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 a proud boy now yeah
1: so, Elon Musk, so, what you're saying is, Elon Musk would love him.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, sure. Who knows? Um, Well, welcome to Behind the Bastards, the podcast that is oh, three right. and a half minutes in. Um, we talk about bad people. This week, we're talking about Clarence Thomas. Um, so, boy, how do, we, how do we get from there to here? Um, good stuff. So, in 1971, Clarence Thomas enters Yale Law School, and... Um, you know he he graduates from that that school he goes to in fucking wooster right mm-hmm. um and he's a pretty for those years he's in wooster he's a pretty hardcore like black nationalist activist. But in 1971, he enters Yale. Uh, He is one of 12 black students on the entire campus, uh, thanks to an affirmative action program recently instituted in the school that mandated 10% of the class not be white kids. You will remember that it was in the 1960s when Yale removed their secret caps on Jewish students. So like Yale is, shall we say, a little bit behind the curve (laughs) on integration. Oh my Um, God so Uh, yeah uh, this program helps him get into Yale um, but it also makes the fact that he'd gotten into Yale through an affirmative action program makes him feel as if he has a target on his back Uh, quote you had to prove yourself every day because the presumption was that you were dumb and didn't deserve to be there he later added as much as it had stung to be told I'd done well in high school despite my race it was far worse to feel that I was now at Yale because of it Mm -hmm. um which yeah man that that's that's a whole thing but also like it wasn't your lack of ability that would have kept you out of yale earlier it was that somebody had to force yale admissions to accept people who weren't ro- white <laughs> like right like that is the thing it's not that you couldn't do yale it's that yale had to be forced the to be yale wouldn't shitty. do you. yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah anyway uh thomas has always been A pretty conservative guy by personality, even when he was a radical, it was kind of rooted in very traditional ideas he had about the family and about gender roles. Um, He remained religious as hell, even after he left the seminary, the Bill Gates Seaman School. Uh, He felt (laughs) discipline and an authoritarian upbringing were important for kids to have. But he was also a registered Democrat because his family was and because he supported the civil rights movement. Because, you know, there weren't like, that's what you did. Right, like that's what his family did. Like that was the the only reasonable option as he saw it for a very long time. <laughs> right. Um, it was at Yale then that Clarence finally starts moving away from politically aligning himself with liberals. He's never really been a liberal, right? right. But he votes with them and like, yeah. Um, he starts to make that actual move towards a conservative political party uh, and towards conservative more, like more of an open embrace of conservative ideology while he's at Yale. Uh, and I'm gonna quote again from the New Yorker here. At Yale, Thomas developed an understanding of racism that he would never shake. Whites, southern and northern, liberal and conservative, rural and urban, are racists. Racism, Thomas would tell students at Mercer University in 1993, has has complex and to a certain degree undiscoverable roots. Not knowing its beginning, we can't know its end. The most that can be hoped for is that whites be honest about it. Honesty is demonstrated through crude statements of personal animus or intellectual suggestions of racial inequality. Dishonesty is demonstrated through denial of one's racism and sympathetic extensions of help. Dishonesty lulls black people into a false sense of security, assuring them that they are safe when they are not. One of Thomas's favorite songs is the 1971 hit, Smiling Faces Sometimes, by The Undisputed Truth. Its classic lyric, Smiling Faces, Smiling Faces Tell Lies, resonates with his experience of northern white liberals. Among the virtues of the Reagan administration, he has said, was the fact that no one there was smiling in your face. So, Wow. If we're taking Thomas's experience on this, like what the way he describes it is that he goes to seminary, everyone there is super racist and like conservative, and he hates that. But then he goes to like fancy northern liberal towns and schools yeah. and everyone there is just as racist but pretends not to be, and he decides, "Well, I guess I prefer the unabashed racists."
4: <laughs> I mean I, I mean this there's not
3: no point
4: there, right? It's, huh?
3: There's not no point there. No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, there, there's yeah.
4: validity to what he's saying. Yeah, there's, absolutely. Yeah, there, I mean, look at just the what we what we saw in 2020 with people yeah. donning kente cloth and taking a knee. Exactly. And for what? Just to always come back and be like, well, you know, qualified immunity. Let's not go too far yeah, with, yeah. <laughs> with anything. And you're like, well, then what yeah. the fuck was that? And again, to his point, a false sense of security. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we and we are not. We are yeah. in fact seeing the opposite of that. And then on the other side of it, he's like, "Man, these people, you know where the fuck they're at." Yeah, you know where all the Reagan's people are coming from because right. they are
3: racist as shit.
4: Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. they don't say shit because they they're racist and they yeah. know it. They know the rules of racism. Yeah. Um.
3: So in the end, Yale le- winds up leaving a pretty harsh taste in his mouth. Uh His gla- grades are. We don't really know exactly what his grades are. Right. Uh, He has remained like people will say that he was kind of uh, uh, a a middle of the road student. We don't really know because his academic records remain sealed at his urging. Uh, Journalists who spoke to his professors repeat the same story. He was a pretty average student. Uh, Upon leaving Yale, he applied to a number of high end law firms, but he was not hired by any of them. and this is probably less a factor of his grades than the fact that he was middle class and black, right? He doesn't have connections to these big money law firms that he's trying to get jobs with, right? which is ultimately why Yale people get hired. It's not just that they went to Yale and it's certainly not their grades. It's that their dad is somebody who's connected to the people who run the fucking law firm or they make friends or whatever, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> Years later, Thomas would tell a law school class, quote, Since my reason for going to law school in the first place was to return to Savannah to assist in righting the wrongs, which I felt existed there throughout my childhood, I can't say this was a high point. If anything, I was steeped in frustration. And this is definitely a thing where he's like lying like hell, because Mm -hmm. over the last couple of decades, since his emergence as a public figure, Thomas has made a big deal about how he got into law because he wanted to join the crusade for civil rights. And again, like right wrongs that he'd seen as a kid. This was a big part of the pitch he made his grandfather. Um, And this is, again, very untrue because the one job Thomas was actually offered right out of Yale, was at a Savannah law uh, firm, and he had spent the summer interning at this firm, and they did a lot of that kind of work, and he turns the job down because it doesn't pay enough. Um, Now, Clarence was ultimately willing to take a job that paid poorly, but not one that would let him serve his community in Savannah. Instead, he takes a low-paid job with Jack Danforth, the Republican Attorney General of Missouri. Now, Danforth he's this kind of thing that doesn't exist anymore he was like a liberal republican and Mm -hmm. he was on his own concerned with the fact that again he's the attorney general of missouri on his own he's like wow this staff is too fucking white we need to have some people who are not white guys around here so he hires clarence thomas because he's like i think as the ag we need to have like black lawyers representing people too because it's right missouri um which is good um Thomas does not like this because it smacks of affirmative action, which he deeply resented. And because again, he wants a high paid legal career and this is not that, um, and, and, you know, he is initially not really super enthused by this offer either, but he eventually decides to take it. And his friend Clarence Martin later told Jane Mayer, quote, by the time he went to Missouri, he was very disillusioned. He didn't want the attorney general's job. He never wanted to be part of the government. And in fact, he resented it. He'd wanted to be this great trial lawyer in private practice, but he lost his self-confidence after all the Atlanta firms turned him down. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's the call that he makes is to get his start in Republican politics with this guy, Danforth. Forth. Um, now, because it's Missouri, he has to pass the state bar to do it, which is like, you know, you got to do an exam in every state to be able to do law shit there. Right. Because um, lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Um, so while he counter he has, to
4: what you might hear on TikTok, apparently mm-hmm. that's not true. But now I know. You now have you, to. Know. you can't just do it in one state. Yeah, you can't just
3: do it in one state, Miles. Mm-hmm. Your your state of uh, of of the District of Columbia law certificate that you uh, you have printed out above your desk. Yeah. C o l o m b i a. Um. C-O-L-O-M-B-I-A. C-O-L-O-M-B-I-A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um <clears throat> so yeah, he's got to spend the summer, uh, like cramming to pass the bar exam in Missouri. So he winds up crashing at the house of a St. Louis NAACP chairperson while he crams all summer for the exam. Um, at the end of the summer, he tries to pay her, and she told, tells him to, quote, help someone who is in your position in the future. Um, basically, pay it forward. Pay it right? it Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Thomas joins the Danforth administration as a conservative Democrat, but in short order, he starts to see how this low-paid entry-level position with the Republican Party might lead him to the kind of clout and wealth that he sought. The key would be remaking himself as a political conservative. Cindy Faddis, who knew him when he worked for Danforth, recalled, he said that he thought he'd have an advantage as a Republican. Thomas is said to have stated, if I belonged to the Republican Party, I could go farther. After that, the change was rather sudden and jarring, as this quote from the book Strange Justice makes clear. Clarence Martin, who visited Thomas in Missouri, found the transformation in his formerly liberal friend, with whom he had o- worked only the summer before, to be quite mark- remarkable. Gone was Thomas's college dorm room poster of Malcolm X, replaced by an oversized poster of a Rolls Royce. No longer dwelling on being shut out of private practice, Thomas now had a new avenue for his ambitions. As a Republican, he told Martin, he planned a big future in politics. I remember him sitting with his feet up on the desk, smoking a cigar, said Martin. I saw a change in Clarence then. He said... The Republicans are going places in the next 10 years, and I'm going to attach my wagon to their star. Martin forgave Thomas's apparent ideological expedience. In many ways, he was already conservative in his social views, Martin noted, and he really admired Danforth. I'd ask him, how heck can you re- become a Republican? And he'd say, blacks need to be on both sides, and these people are in power. It was a matter of practicality.
4: All right, uh, so we've got to the part where he became Darth Vader. Yeah. Uh-huh.
3: He's doing that. He's going... And it's interesting because Danforth is, you could draw a line between Danforth and his current position because Danforth is very Mm -hmm. anti-abortion. But Danforth is also, again, a liberal Republican. And one of the weirdest things that we really don't have anymore, he's ideologically consistent. So he is also an anti-death penalty crusader. Mm. So he's a Republican who is like really violently against the death penalty and against abortion. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Which at least suggests that he's, yeah, being consistent in the things that he's claiming. Um, but yeah, this is like this is where Thomas gets his start in politics. Mm. Um, now, one of his colleagues at the Savannah Law Firm, where he had done his interning, a guy named Fletcher Farrington, who later supported his nomination to the Supreme Court, insists that Thomas was not a, quote, complete opportunist, but that, quote, to some extent, his politics were shaped by his opportunities. At the core of everything, then, is the fact that Thomas's real goal, more than anything, was to attain a position that gave him wealth and prestige. As Farrington put it his ambition was not to make a particular change in society but to go as far as he could go and i think that is something you know despite the fact that his grandfather winds up disappointed in him for not helping his community um that's something that's very consistent with the upbringing he has right all that matters is the work all that matters is like getting the best position you can in what society, you do yeah. right and you need to move further than, than i was able to right yeah yeah i mean he definitely is his grandfather's son
4: um all right, you know what, now I'm rooting for him again.
3: Now you're back on yeah, board, yeah, you're I'm back, back on, on board. Yeah, all right, uh, go CC. Mm-hmm. Well, we are about to get to the Reagan administration, which I know is your
4: favorite period in American political a- a- history, a- a- Miles. My, my dad's uh, explanation why there were unhoused people when I asked him as a four-year-old. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Was he a
3: because Reagan closed the institutions guy? Yeah, I was like, yeah. I remember
4: being a bummed yeah. out like four-year-old person and like, you know, we were like giving food to like someone housed people. I was like, why did some people like have to live there? And my dad's like, because of Ronald Reagan.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm like,
4: what? I'm what? four. I don't know what that means. And I remember saying that shit in like first grade and like my teacher's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's amazing.
3: Oh, that's good stuff. You know what else is good, Miles? Mm. Capitalism. Oh, yeah. Which is the real reason why all of those Mm, people aren't able to live indoors. Um, Capitalism, Miles. Sweet lady capitalism. Mm -hmm. Have you ever felt like the world's not getting hot enough fast enough? (laughs) No. Yes. Maybe you're sitting in England and going 40 degrees Celsius. That's not that high. 40 is a low number yeah well the only Celsius i know is crypto all of these products and services will help keep those numbers high put them on the board baby put them on the board how we doing sophie is that good it made you smile so i'm on board look i can go back to come anytime
4: don't i know it
3: that's that's always an option that's on the table on the table (sighs) we can bring dr kellogg right back into this yeah yeah let's take (laughs) kellogg back America's great cum doctor. Speaking Mm -hmm. of America's great cum doctor, try these products and services. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. Cut your wireless bill to fifteen bucks a month at mintmobilecom behind. Forty five dollar upfront payment required, equivalent to fifteen dollars a month. New customers on first three-month plan only, speed slower, above forty gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
0: Me.
3: Oh, we're back. Clarence Thomas was good at his first job in government, by which I mean he pleased all of the people he needed to get another job in government that was better. Uh, it is worth noting that at one point while he is working as you know a lawyer in the AG's office in the state of Missouri, uh, Roe v. Wade comes up. Um, His boss, obviously, Danforth opposes the ruling and he challenges it in a court case, Danforth v. Planned Parenthood. It was later noted by colleagues that Clarence Thomas expressed no particular interest in this case. So at least at this point, people who work with him when there's like a big fight over Planned Parenthood in their office are like, yeah, he didn't really give a shit. Mm -hmm. Um, now this is not to say that Thomas didn't talk about abortion during this period in his life. His mother recalled him saying that he opposed abortion on demand because if she'd had one, he wouldn't exist.
4: (laughs) Um,
3: (laughs) now that said, that said, at another point, his sister has an abortion because the doc, she's already had several kids and a doctor warns her she might die if she carries this fetus to term that she had some kind of health condition, right? Um, and Clarence is said to be understanding of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, if you're looking for kind of like a very clear like line between the guy who ends Roe v. Wade and this dude, it's not in his actual opinions on Roe v. Wade, because more than anything, he barely seems to have one, right? Right. Um, so one interesting thing about Thomas's career is that for a Supreme Court judge, he basically doesn't spend any time in court arguing cases. Um, that is not his job. He wants to be a great trial lawyer, right right he wants because like that's where the fucking money is. um, but he doesn't ever really do that. The time hes he's he's in he's works for Danforth for about two and a half years, and this is the only time in his entire career as a judge where he is litigating anything or his entire career in law where he litigates anything at all right? Mm-hmm. so, These are not interesting cases. His first major victory was an argument restricting the use of vanity license plates by rich people. Uh, He was noted, right? Like that's not really a big deal, you know? Um, He was noted by some as being the office clown though, which is consistent with a number of recollections of people who worked with him over the years. Now, depending on who you ask, you might also consider him an office bully. However, the person that he spent the time bullying in the office was John Ashcroft. So I'm not going to say that this goes in the bastard column for him <laughs> i think it's completely fine to bully john ashcroft yeah all right all right maybe <laughs> yeah.
4: maybe, maybe you got a point here okay that, i'm back i'm back. that gets I'm that back. gets
3: you one year out of hell if we're going yeah. by catholic rules 100 <laughs> percent.
4: when yeah. your bush is no, <laughs> why not <laughs> yeah um
3: so obviously john ashcroft if you don't know was a religious weirdo who was like a man built entirely out of hangups um, <laughs> and Clarence Thomas, as we are, we will discuss, loves to make extremely sexual jokes and comments to his co-workers. So a big part of what he do is deliberately try to flush, fluster John Ashcroft by bringing up things that are inappropriate. Um, now, again, what the fuck. I will be honest here, I am a little bit drawing a line there, because all the writing on his time with Ashcroft said was that he attempted to, like, deliberately try to fluster him. Um, But I'm bringing up the sex stuff, because one of the most important things to know about working with Clarence Thomas is that the man loves, Miles loves pornography absolutely huge porn guy i don't think
4: you're ready for what a porn guy clarence thomas is well i mean what what would i even i'm trying to even think of what i would describe if you said what's a porn guy to you yeah somebody who has like a couple like who subscribes to some magazines if we're going like old school physical media days and has like you know like like a shelf of tapes
3: Okay, that's this like is interesting. Guy. This yeah. is interesting, Miles. Um, I'm going to describe to you what Clarence Thomas does about porn later, and you okay. tell me if you think "porn guy" is the right thing to call him.
4: But okay, that's fine. And look, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, do you? But yeah, I'm. But fuck
3: this guy. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, Thomas's relationship with his mother was strained for completely understandable reasons. He grows up in a primarily male environment, and he seems to have gone from awkward around women. To sometimes hostile around women uh when he was a black civil rights activist he came from the camp who saw sexual equality as not a worthy battle like it's about racial equality we're not here to fight for sexual equality that's a bad idea um we're we're here for liberation kind of yeah exactly again this is every it's like the suffragettes in the 20s being like women need to vote well just white women really like (laughs) not you or you or you (laughs) not you certainly not you but us um not that it was all of them just like not that but anyway like yeah, this is this
4: it's, is it's never perfect at the start yes the start of it.
3: Mo- it turns out movements that make meaningful achievements are often filled with people who still believe shitty things <laughs> yeah. um So, yeah, when when he starts going to Yale and he starts to turn away from those activist beliefs, he keeps the chauvinism. One female classmate later recalled, At that time, I didn't know the word male chauvinist. But now, looking back, I can say he defined the term. He barely spoke to women. He was so condescending and accustomed to them being subservient that when I'd offer an opinion in a conversation, it irritated him. When I talked, he'd just ignore me. He'd only talk to the men. He thought women belonged in the kitchen. So he does marry a woman, uh, Kathy Ambush, um, which is a funny name to have, Ambush, Mm -hmm. uh, and they stayed together for something like a decade. She is very traditional, which suits him. She's super Catholic, but Catholics are liberal, right, traditionally in American Mm -hmm. politics. So she's also, she's very traditional. She is kind of the, I'm going to stay at home and like be a homemaker type uh, wife, but also She's deeply committed to being a political liberal and this becomes a huge source of tension for them now as I've said before Thomas is loudly conservative in his social values he rails against premarital sex he had he apparently told enough friends that it got out to reporters that he would leave his wife if she cheated on him immediately Um, like this is just the thing he talks about to people Um, at the same time he has a somewhat unhinged obsession with pornography and more to the point miles. He has a little bit of a habit of sharing it with his co-workers and I'm okay. going to quote now from Strange Justice. While Thomas argued against premarital sex and adultery, telling one friend that he would leave a wife on the spot if she was unfaithful to him, he also showed an unusual interest in talking about sex in gross and explicitly anatomical language, according to several college classmates. By the time he reached Yale Law School, Thomas was known not only for the extreme crudity of his sexual banter, but also for avidly watching pornographic films and reading pornographic magazines, which he would describe to friends in lurid detail. An interest in pornography might order narrowly be considered a private matter but colleagues recall that Thomas was notable for the unusually public nature of his enthusiasm for pornographic materials. His detailed descriptions of the movies and magazines he had seen were an open form of socializing during these years that seemed funny to some offensive to others and odd to many. Oh um,
4: <laughs> Oh boy so It's been a rough road so far but we finally got to the funny part where he's It's not the, funny he, Doing play-by-play of these pornos he's watching.
3: Look, this ends, obviously, in sexual harassment and a woman getting attacked on a national stage, and that is not funny. But the fact that he is in college, like, showing up at parties and being like, you guys gotta hear about this fucking porno I just watched, to, like, mixed groups of people who are like... What
4: the fuck, dude? So, uh, honestly, I'm and I'm thinking with the vanity plates, I, I, it just feels unnecessary, and, and it, yeah. it, 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 it's, a, it's a smack in the face of the proper bureaucracy we're trying to want. Yeah, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, <laughs> do you guys know what gape? Uh, never mind. Uh, all right. Uh, it's, a, it's butthole stuff. Any of
3: y'all ever seen a facial? <laughs>
4: man i'm telling you i saw this one mm-hmm. i didn't know what i was looking at at mm-hmm. the end of the video i don't know what i was looking at i was like is that a windsock?" Yeah. i don't know <laughs> Colleague spills
3: some coffee on a shirt and he's like so i was watching some german stuff the other night yeah. let me tell you
4: <laughs> i mean now that you mention it not, i didn't mention anything i said i'm sorry i spilled <laughs> something on you um god yeah it is Yikes. this is part of
3: a broad and a really weird and unsettling pattern for thomas friends and co-workers and again this is a lot of this comes from the book strange justice by jane mayer and i think jill abramson is her name um two reporters jane we've talked about a lot she's a huge reporter on the Koch brothers mm-hmm. um they find so many people with stories of Clarence talking in explicit detail about porn that he watches. It is like a normal thing in his life. Um, And and friends and coworkers recall that most of the time at work, he's he's a quiet man, he's very polite, very respectful, very normal. And then every now and then, he just kind of goes bug fuck in ways people around him don't really know how to cope with. One friend told Jane Mayer, quote, 1% of the time he would go off the deep end. He'd say stuff I can't possibly repeat, stuff that would turn your ears red, things having to do with the person's anatomy. He'd say things like suck out of my ass with a straw all the time. But this was different. It was a lot worse, and I don't feel comfortable talking about it.
4: Wait, wait, wait. This guy just set the fucking floor as suck as out of my asshole. That's the normal shit Clarence Thomas
3: says. Yeah.
4: Oh my god! I mean, I w- even in my joking, I, I was still mm. being like coy yeah. a little bit. But I mean, he's it makes like sense Reddit the in guy in graphic detail. Yeah. It makes and he's also has like this. He occupies this weird space of like a sexually repressed like teenager kid. Who's yeah, like yeah,
3: you know what I kind of nasty shit I watch. Yeah, let me tell you about this weird shit I saw at the porn theater. What? And I think that is like he is a connoisseur of pornography. There are people who, like, worked at porn theaters in D.C. with stories of him coming in to writ things. Like, he goes in for the weird shit. Like, he is an obsessive consumer of this. He finds, like, baffling and bizarre porn. And then he just, like, talks about it at work in the government.
4: Um, yeah. I just, like, and also, like, it, it's like a fucking weird character from a fucking... Yeah like comedy where it's like, my boss is really like 99% of the time, like he's like this. And then he yeah. goes off the deep end. Yeah. Yeah. It's bizarre. Um, there
3: are rumors that he was abusive in his first ma- marriage, physically abuses, abusive. There are not allegations from his ex-wife that I am aware of. And it's kind of, to be honest, I, I from what I have seen, at least I don't think there's a lot there um, at least not that I ran into. Meyer and Abramson note that, like in their in again, their very critical biography, he receives custody of their son after the divorce, um, which is why they think that he there might not have been anything to get. like these are just rumors around him as opposed mm-hmm. to like somebody making an allegation. So mm-hmm. they are out there. You can find them. I'm not aware of like much solid there. Um, he does this is actually kind of something we're really worth noting. He's makes sure to take custody of his son after the divorce, which is him breaking this one cycle in his family history. Right, right, right. He he is the he is the man, the 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 father in his family line who does not hand over his fucking kid. Well,
4: not his son.
3: Not his son. Well, exactly. Right. Yeah. He doesn't, ha- he doesn't have a daughter. So yeah, we we don't uh, know how that would have gone. Hard to fully right?
4: test that theory. Yeah. It, anyway. it, it, you're,
3: you are right, Miles. It has not been completely tested. Yeah. It's, um, like, it's
4: like, you lucky. you, you lucky, my son. Yeah. It- <laughs> Like what?
3: Um, now, there are rumors. Uh, oh, sorry. I already said that. Now, a- at any rate, Danforth, uh, the guy he's been working for, becomes a U.S. senator in 1977 and Thomas leaves his employee. He has a- an opportunity to go with him to D.C., but he's like, that would be uh, in his mind kind of a lower prestige job than working for a state attorney general um, and more to the point. Danforth before he leaves helps Thomas get a job in the private sector this is like the high paid mm. lawyer job he's been wanting all the time yeah. as a lawyer representing the Monsanto Chemical Corporation <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah it is this is like the one lawyer job he does other than like politics shit he and it's fuck. Monsanto
4: <laughs> hey I mean that's what he wanted right he wanted his big cushy earthfucker mm-hmm. job so he, does- he got it
3: he fucks the shit out of the earth. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, Monsanto has done a number of questionable things. I don't really see evidence that Clarence was super directly involved in it. His job was sure. much more, um, his job was much more like rudimentary, sort of like, mechan- his job was much more mechanical. He was registering <laughs> herbicides with the EPA, right? He was oh. the guy who was like like interfacing with the EPA in order to handle the registration of product project, products um right, so he's not like, like yeah. he's not I'm, like the trigger man they send out when they poison people right like he's the guy who's who's like doing this very kind of like
4: meat and potatoes role right um, exactly he's like they're like oh wow monsanto you must do some yeah yeah like with, yeah. Gly- with glyphosate and stuff like that oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah big stuff <laughs> yeah I, big stuff No, he just fucking registers them.
3: he fucking filled out paperwork <gasps> can't even commit crimes right oh my god
4: get away from you're such a fucking nerd you don't mm -hmm. even oh you just register the fucking roundup get out of here so the main benefit of this job is that it doubles his salary
3: which obviously allows him to live in much more comfort while he waits for his next political break which comes near the end of 1979 Now, this was through Danforth again, who had taken a real shine to Clarence. Uh, Danforth Danforth decided that he wanted to integrate his Senate staff, and he asked Thomas if he wanted a job as a legislative assistant. Clarence agreed on the condition that he work on absolutely no, quote, black issues, right? And this is a big part of what he liked about Monsanto. Wait, who said to do that? Thomas. Thomas does not want to work on black issues. He said, okay, I'll... Okay. okay no danforth heard, is not heard. saying that danforth right, right, is just okay. like just hey you want a job and <laughs> thomas is like <laughs> the only way i'll do that is if i'm not doing black stuff right this is part of why he wants he likes working for monsanto because he gets experience in environmental and energy like law Where and he wants money. to do that because it's not well there's money and it's also not at all associated with like civil rights it's not has nothing to do in people's eyes oh lives with my black oh so
4: it's like comfort it's like comfortable in that sense that he yes. doesn't have to that have to reckon in his consciousness versus like, no, I think it's your right to fucking poison people. Yeah.
3: And I also, I think he doesn't want to get like pigeonholed, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to just be the, like the black guy who does black law stuff, right? Like if I'm going to be, I don't want to help people live better. lives. also, yeah, that's also what he's saying. Which is, again, directly the opposite of what he claimed to his grandfather he wanted to do as a lawyer. Anyway, uh, he seems to have been good at this job. Um, Again, not particularly noteworthy, although legislative assistants generally aren't. Uh, The one thing that his colleagues really recognized in Clarence was his remarkable ambition. Mayor and Abramson write, quote, Less than a year after arriving in Washington, over lunch with a reporter in the Washington Bureau of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Thomas mentioned that he had his eye on a better job. John Sawyer, now the paper's Washington bureau chief, recalled being astonished when Thomas, who was an affable but completely unknown aide to a freshman senator, announced that the spot he wanted was nothing less than a seat on the U.S. Supreme Court. So he's, he is gunning for the job that he gets pretty much from the beginning of Fucking his time in Terminator politics. Terminator over here. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's He figures out that this is like possible for him if he kind of makes the right inroads with the Republican Party. And yeah. he's like a fucking laser from
4: this point 100%. on. 100%. And he's incentivized <laughs> in the darkest fucking ways. It is. And it's also wild to think that The reason, like, he even gets his head turned in this direction of, like, law or politics is because, you know, he got rejected by the Vienna Academy of Fine Arts, I guess, in the form of uh, Atlanta private, like, like law firms and shit like that. He's like, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I got something for you then. Yeah. I got ideas.
3: So Thomas uh, makes his mind up early on to play to the right in order to secure himself a more prestigious career. But he also finds himself increasingly in ideological step, not just with conservatives, but with the extreme fringes of the right wing, which were actively moving in to take over from liberal Republicans. Again, this is the last era against in which re- liberal Republicans are influential. In other episodes, we've talked, I mean, we're talking about Danforth now, who is one liberal Republican. We've talked a lot in the past about Henry Kissinger appreciator Nelson Rockefeller, who was a mm-hmm. Republican and also a very, like, a, a liberal. Um, this is the period in which those people are being, like, held underwater until the bubbles stop, right? Right. Um and two of the people who are big factors in this are two black conservatives, uh, both of whom have a huge influence on Clarence Thomas. Now, one of these guys is Thomas Sowell, an, eco- an economist and a writer who I was given a lot of this guy's fucking books when I was a little kid. Um, Sowell raised raged against, raged against the NAACP as a snobby clique of elites. Uh, he called out affirmative action because, quote, those who were already well off were made even better off while the ostensible beneficiaries were either neglected or made worse off. And it's interesting to me because like Sowell is kind of calling out Clarence Thomas. Because mm-hmm. Claren- he's he's a he's a middle class kid who, because he's middle class, is able to take advantage of some of these like affirmative action programs because he's in a position to do so. That is what Clare- that Sowell is. I don't think that's a good reason. Not to support those programs, but that's what Sowell's arguing, and he's kind of talking directly about Clarence Thomas, which is interesting. Now, um, this does not seem to have had any influence on Clarence Thomas, uh, who loves Sowell, uh, and later said that encountering his ideas was like, quote, pouring half a glass of water on the desert. I just soaked it up. Now, one thing Sowell loved to talk about was the fact that women made less than men because that's what they wanted. They took easier jobs so that they could have babies later. So it's fine. It's all good, Miles. It's all good. They make that choice for their babies that they're going to have in the future because they don't have other options. Let me tell you something
4: about women. All right. They want the easier jobs because they can't work so hard when they make the babies. That's right. Okay? Mm-hmm. What a pa- patronizing motherfucking state! It is a really patronizing. <laughs> I statement. mean, that's just. And the fact is, like that shit, is, that thinking still is is existing now in a yes. very substantial <laughs> yes. way. We haven't moved that far from fucking cishet dudes being like, let me tell you something about a woman's body that I have no corporal
3: experience with. I am 100% certain we're going to have that thinking used by Clarence Thomas in a terrible Supreme Court decision in like, I don't know, three months, four?
4: He's like, like I was watching Dr. Oz and said the (laughs) vagina is like a (laughs) self-cleaning oven. That's why Mm -hmm. they do not need an OBGYN. That's an outlawed medical practice.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm making it a crime to do medicine.
4: <laughs> oh, no.
3: oh no! Miles, you know what else is a crime? Hmm. How low the prices are on oh. our sponsors' products—literally illegal. If you buy <laughs> any of these products, the FBI will break down your door and shoot your dog. I mean, the That's SEC's the already The, the but... SEC's coming after you, no matter what. Yeah, you're fucked. You're fucked. They're on you. Sophie, is that how? Is that is that the script that the company sent us? Are we good? It's a version of it. It looks I think, like. I think Sophie stepped away napping on the job no i'm just angrily shaking my head at you because i have no fucking words (laughs) (laughs) sylvie products thanks the evidence keeps pouring in at this point the facts are undeniable it's an open and shut case monopoly go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game
0: I want to be remembered
1: for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17 not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
2: Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Oh,
3: products. So the other black Republican who influenced Thomas in this period was Jay Parker, a writer and a firebrand who believed the government should end all state and local aid for food, clothing, shelter and everything else. Um, Now, so Jay Parker, not a great guy, right? By that little description. Here's what's cool. Jay Parker is obviously, because of everything we just said, very useful to Reagan era conservatives who come to power shortly after Thomas gets to D.C. But Parker is also very useful to another group of white conservatives, the apartheid government of South Africa. Oh,
4: fuck. Wow. Why did why do these why did this group of people enter the game?
3: Yeah, it's this is a cool story, Miles. Cool may not be the right word. This is the thing that happened.
4: Cool zone media. Mm hmm.
3: Starting in the Nixon administration, South Africa launched a massive propaganda blitz aimed at shoring up their reputation. They spent more than $100 million a year targeting vast segments of the U.S. population. And this included, in one of its otter chapters, reaching out to black America. The apartheid government of South Africa bought several prominent black organizers to push their cause, generally without wide success. Jay Parker was one of these guys. And I'm going to quote now from Rebecca Davis of Rhodes University. Jay Parker promoted the entrance of the Trans-Kai and Vinda before taking on the representation of the South African government, and in 2009 wrote an unrepentant biography tellingly titled, Courage to Put My Country Above Color. William A. Keyes, a former policy advisor to Ronald Reagan, was hired by the South African embassy to act as Pretoria's point man to the U.S. black community, and was paid almost $400,000 for his services. So, wow. this is number one, a thing that a bunch of guys, a bunch of particularly like black speakers and writers who are associated with the Reagan administration, mm-hmm. take apartheid money and they justify it by saying, like, well, they're fighting against communism. That's why Jay Parker calls his biography Putting My Country Above Color, right? Like, yes, right. they are a nightmare racist regime but it's more important to fight communism i was protecting america
4: wait so wait the interest yes the interest of the country that enslaved people like me i'm that's my priority actually yep to do what's in the best interest of that entity more so than the people that were oppressed that's how do you you get where i'm going that
3: is literally the title of jay parker's biography
4: the title the title should be yeah, I mean, they enslaved us, but... But... But yeah. what, sir? But <laughs> communism! Oh, yes, okay. Yeah,
3: we will... I think at some point we might talk about, like, the apartheid government of South Africa's American PR company and because yeah. it is a story. I can't but imagine. Jay Parker, this guy who was a bought-and-paid-for instrument of the apartheid government, I can't say that enough, is one of Clarence Thomas's intellectual, like icons um and also a good personal friend of his um thomas and parker like work together at the reagan white house um and you know the fact that he befriends parker winds up being very good for his career thomas gets put on a job gets a job uh on the incoming administration's transition team with the eeoc or equal employment opportunity commission and since the reaganites didn't like the idea of equal anything this job was about gutting the organization not running it right Mm -hmm. like that's why they're they're putting him on there yeah now obviously this is not really in line with thomas's promise to his grandfather that he was gonna fight the good fight in his own way, but it does bring him closer to power. So working as the transition lead for the EEOC, he begins what is unfortunately a continuing negative trend taking his personal opinions on what struggling people ought to do and forcing them into government policy. So Thomas has a weird bug up his ass about class action lawsuits, which had emerged in this period to become the primary method by which people who were not rich and powerful held corporations and the government accountable. One of the first things he does at the EEOC is he sends out a memo suggesting that worker discrimination suits should have to be proven on a case-by-case basis, one-by-one, rather than being done via class action. He also co-authors a report in 1980 that attacks the existing definition of sexual harassment. The old definition had included unwelcome sexual attention, either verbal or physical, Thomas argued this was too broad and that including verbal comments would lead to a, quote, barrage of trivial complaints. The report he helped author concluded that the elimination of personal slights and sexual advances, which contribute to an intimidating, hostile or offensive
4: working environment, is a goal impossible to reach. And take it from me, the mm-hmm. guy who has to talk about porn nonstop. It's just going to be him. I mean, you basically it's going to be a mess, anymore. guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, what I, i might as well wear a ball gag mm-hmm. and a leather mask and some restraints i don't know that might be pretty hot but i don't know i was just watching this video got me thinking like wait what, what? <laughs> first let me tell you about the cum shot so
3: yeah. <laughs> imagine there's like Holy a tarantula shit. made out of cock heading right towards your face and then when it goes <laughs> off you know those oreo ads where you're mixing two of them together and there's just that <laughs> splash of the white foam
2: the
4: white foam. Oh. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, it's bad. Mm. It's frothy. It's one of those mm-hmm. frothy ones. It's one
3: of those frothy. It's like the top of a what? What I imagine people drink in Seattle. One of those foamy lattes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
4: I don't drink those much, but you know the kind of mm-hmm. leaves a mustache. He's. Uh, it's again every <laughs> single thing. It's like you're starting to make sense of how he moves. Like yeah. of course he. Sexual harassment can't be real because Mm -hmm. then anything he says is like gross and over Mm -hmm. the line and offensive. Well,
3: it's even one of the things that's interesting is they're like in that last line, you see, they're talking about personal slights and sexual advances contribute to an intimidating, hostile or offensive work environment, offensive work environment. But they're saying stopping that is impossible. Right. So, why would we try all that hard? Right. Like, that's, yeah. that's the conclusion, which is amazing.
4: Which is wild because it, it but then the, again, the, because there's no such thing as hypocrisy, they're just, they just do whatever Never. they want. Because on the other yes. side, it's like, well, we want to stop every single person from doing this thing, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But sexual harassment, like, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. You can't even fucking do anything. You can't even fucking do anything about it.
3: Yeah. again this is this is a broader question but like when we're talking about dealing with conservatives and their attempts to fuck people over there's no point in treating them like they are good faith actors because their their goal is to restrict you and do whatever the fuck
4: they want so stop pretending that that's the case yeah to to, to continue to be like but they just said this other thing about a parallel subject mm -hmm. you're like mother that's not where they're at yeah they use the like the skin of humans to be like it's all about doing whatever we want to whoever yeah
3: it's like yeah, again it's like Clarence Thomas being like I don't believe interracial marriage is right. Oh, now I want to have one. So now it's fine. Like Oh man, have you yeah. all had sex
4: with a white woman though?
3: Yeah. Like that he's it doesn't matter like bringing it up to like a, again, we're kind of acknowledging these things and a number of his hypocrisies cuz it's important to note it for history, but like none of this matters in an argumentative standpoint. They're not there to have a good faith conversation. No. They're there to exercise power in ways that hurt people. It's just power um, yeah, It's not yeah. about
4: any kind of consistency of uh...
3: Yeah. It's just yeah. It's cool. It's cool and good. It's like taking the apartheid South African government's money uh, in order (laughs) to claim that you're just such an anti-communist that this has to be done. Yeah. So while Thomas ingratiated himself to the Reagan administration, he also began increasingly pu- publicizing his existence as a black conservative. He joined an organization created by Thomas Sowell and started giving interviews where he would talk about his hard scrabble upbringing and how traditional right wing values had gotten him through a tumultuous childhood of poverty. Now, this is not really true, right? Oh my like, again, god! Yeah, there's certainly a number of like uh, his uh, hard scrabble aspects of his youth, and especially his grandpa's story. But like, he comes into his grandpa's middle class life and is is you know taken care of as a result of that.
4: Yeah, Um, not because of his hardcore conservative values.
2: Yes, exactly.
3: And a lot of his recollections of his family later to conservatives are deliberate lies or at least exaggerations that he made to sell his image better. He told one audience, quote, where I grew up or when I grew up, there was more a feeling of responsibility for kids that you brought into the world. These were values you learned. The government didn't have a damn thing to do about it. And like, that's the opposite of your childhood, Clarence. You were like your whole family was like a bunch of dudes like being like, "No, I'm not. I ain't taking care of that kid." Like that was not the values that you learned from your family, Clarence Thomas.
4: Such, I mean, he's, I mean, I mean, this, this, he's a fucking Terminator. Yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. He's got to figure it out. It's like all the calculations are made like lie about this shit. Lie about this shit. They will love you for it.
3: The worst of it is when he lies about his sister, because Clarence Thomas is super fine with throwing members of his family under the bus for political clout. Right. The book Strange Justice covers a fateful interview that he had with a reporter from The Washington Post. Quote. It was in this interview that Thomas first publicly denounced his sister's reliance on public assistance. She is so dependent, Thomas told the Post. She gets mad when the mailman is late with her welfare check. What's worse, he continued, is that now her kids feel entitled to the check too. They have no motivation for doing better or getting out of that situation. Now, Miles, there's a number of ways this could be fucked up, but I want to be perfectly clear here. All of that was a vicious and calculated lie. His sister had received government assistance at some point. She was not on welfare when he made this statement, nor had she been for a particularly extended period of time. The only reason of her period of her life in which she was on government assistance was so she had taken up working double shifts for minimum wage in a nursing home in order Mm -hmm. to not be on public assistance right in the period when he makes these claims the reason that she had spent a brief period of time on welfare was not that she was dependent it was because she had had to quit her job when their aunt got sick and was dying and she took her aunt in and took care of her while clarence thomas did nothing the That's one that why took she took him was, in yes that's why she oh was briefly on government assistance god like that is a fucked up thing to say about your how you're everybody
4: over like, with one fucking story that is yeah, that first is of all, real a bad fucking, guy shit. If you need help, you need fucking help. There's not a problem yes, with yes, that. Yeah, there's so nothing fuck wrong that with being shit. at assistance. Then That's on not top the thing of it, you want to yeah. then make up a lie to also smear the f- smear your sister and yeah. also obscure the fact that you're in ain't shit nephew, too. Because
3: what what he's saying is that, like, well, she's just been ruined by welfare, and now her kids are being ruined by it. She's so dependent. And the reality is, like, she is making the health and well-being of a loved one her responsibility when you wouldn't. And that's why she briefly had to go on welfare before taking double shifts for minimum wage in order to get off of it. Like Wow. Like, Jesus Christ, dude. It's
4: just disgusting, too, man, because, again, with his Terminator-like precision, Yeah. He is willing at every turn to commodify his blackness, like, and weaponize it in service of further white supremacy. And But then we're also hearing his fucked up story. This was yeah. a person who felt, never felt he belonged fucking anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like he's the... It's like this like horrible fucking echo of like American society that yeah. like, manifested back into the form of this person who yeah. has been like yeah man I've seen a lot of fucked up shit because like you know fucking America but mm-hmm. also now I'm here to f- be the Let's fucking Yeah. Let's keep destroy. it going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's freaky man. It's like yeah. the fucking uh
3: he's bad. So the fact that he was willing to throw his sister under the bus in such a gross way for such mild clout was noted at the time by his colleagues as kind of fucked up, and he felt defensive enough about it that he lied to one of his aides and assured him that the comments had been taken out of context. And he'd been so upset when that journalist had meanly quoted him that he'd had to drive through the night to apologize to his sister. Now, when they heard this claim, Jane Mayer and Jill Abramson went to his sister to ask if he had driven through the night to apologize. No recollection of that apology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not from May, Of course, of course um, So that's cool. Um, and obviously, this is bad. You shouldn't do this as a person. Mm -hmm. to your sister, to anybody, really. But this goes over great in Ronald Reagan's Republican Party. This is a really good way to make make your career as a Republican. Um, He gets offered two different jobs with the administration. Now, one would have been working as a low-level policy aide, and his work would have had nothing to do with race. He would be handling environmental and energy issues. But that work was not glamorous, and it paid for shit. So he turns down the job. The next Hmm. gig they offer him is Assistant Secretary for Civil Rights in the Department of Education.
4: So Mm -hmm.
3: part three, Miles, you and me are going to talk about his entrance into a presidentially appointed job in the Reagan administration and his road to the Supreme Court. But Miles, Uh why don't we talk about your own road to the Supreme Court?
4: Yeah, let's mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> um, d- this episode will be played at my confirmation hearing mm, or it's at gonna the be- tribunals mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. when the full takeover happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Miles of Gray on Twitter and Instagram. And just podcast, Daily Zeitgeist if you like news and politics every day. 420 Day Fiance if you like weed and reality television. Or Miles and Jack got mad boosties mm-hmm. if you like basketball. Three places to see me. Start I do like me. the
3: idea of you standing before the Senate being confirmed as a Supreme Court justice and like Ted Cruz is like now Mr. Gray is mm-hmm. it true that you uh you you you've you've ingested an illegal narcotic known as marijuana and you just push play on an excerpt of this episode yeah where you're saying sun chips by cum chips by sun chips chips. (laughs) yeah by
4: (laughs) billy by billy g yeah yeah exactly is it true that you said i am a gross fuck turd Mm -hmm. on uh, an episode of uh, the daily zeitgeist number four four three three Mm -hmm. uh yeah it Mm -hmm. is i would have i would have been like which time yeah I don't know if God. I said that exactly. May have I said may have said sniffling fuck turd or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, any other questions? Are we good? Okay, mm-hmm. cool. It would be fun to do yeah. Such. And I'm like, now can we get to the gladiator phase of the Supreme Court uh, confirmation <laughs> hearing? I can't wait to fight the other
3: fucking nominees. It it would be really it'd be really fun to get confirmed by the Senate because you would get to repeatedly say to Ted Cruz. Didn't didn't a guy like call your wife ugly and then you had to pretend he was awesome
4: for yeah. years? Didn't you like eat it? How food? do you feel about that? How does wow. your wife feel about that? You and Heidi <laughs> are still together? Oh yeah. my god. Bro. Wow, dude. Yo, dude, I read that thing where like your daughter was like, "Yo, leave him, mom." Yeah. That's really fucked up. I commend you, bro, for not <laughs> letting that affect you in any way visibly. Yeah. Being totally fine. <laughs> Being so chill with that. All right, man. Cancun uh, on 3.
3: Mhm. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh. so miles that's our episode thank mm. you everyone check out miles for 20 day fiance uh the daily zeitgeist and that basketball podcast with boosties in the name mad i don't know boosties. basketball slangs
4: oh yeah what, you know what that does that know. mean what does that mean it means you got ups mean? man you can jump you got vertical okay. j- vertical okay. takeoff ability you got mad boosties all right. Well, I do have a
3: package from UPS, but I haven't picked it up from the, the place yet. Oh
4: though. my god! On. That was such a boomer joke. Get the fuck out! Did
3: you? Sorry, I can't hear you, Sophie. My ear horn is in the other room. Oh my <laughs> Sorry. god! My Eagles vinyl no. is
4: is about to arrive. I, oh, let me tell you about the Eagles. Of all the bands, oh my god. Don Henley. Wow! Don,
3: that's it. That's the name of a guy from the Eagles. <laughs> no miles for me it's credence all the way baby oh my god
4: but okay robert has a book called after the revolution you can
1: buy Mm. it ak press uh at cool zone media okay the episode's fucking over that was a terrible joke
3: thank you Hey, everybody. Robert Evans here, host of Behind the Bastards and a bunch of other podcasts. Here to let you know that Cool Zone Media is going on break next week. This isn't something we normally do, but as our producer Sophie is currently on the run from the ATF, it was the only option. So next week, there will be no new episodes of Behind the Bastards, no new episodes of It Could Happen Here, uh, no new episodes of Nothing. We will be back the next week after uh, the week of the first um, to continue providing you with far too many podcasts. So just chill out next week. That's what we will be doing. Chilling out and hiding Sophie from the ATF. Love you all. See you soon. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.
2: Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway.
3: Zumo Play.
1: 18 plus.